Link to WMNF Tampa, music and news. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Good morning and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the wonderful Annie Ellis. Hey, Kenny. Hi, Annie. We also have Mr. Bill Grace in the studio helping us stay in check. Absolutely. We couldn't do it without Bill, I don't think. No, we couldn't. And... uh, so, Annie, how have you been? I've been pretty good. This you past know, week? It's hot and rainy and stuff, but, you know, it keeps the garden growing. What's new in your garden, Kenny? Well, I discovered that I have toxorhine kites in my backyard. Oh, that sounds nasty. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I love Latin, but I really yeah. have no idea what that means so, <laughs> on that one. Toxorhine kites is a type of giant mosquito. Oh my gosh. And they're called elephant mosquitoes. But do, guess do they what? have tusks? <laughs> well, they have this long proboscis that kind of resembles a tusk, <laughs> but... They're good mosquitoes. Oh, those are the kind. What do they do? Tell yeah, me more. So the babies eat other baby mosquito larvae. Okay. So that's a bonus. The adults do not bite humans. Oh they my only gosh. drink nectar. <gasps> I have. Um, How did you get them, Kenny? Do you know what a frost weed is? A frost weed? Yeah, it's I, a native plant. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know, know what, the scientific yeah, name. I don't but know. I have a frost weed. It's about five foot tall. I saw all these giant, giant mosquitoes on it. Right. And, I, and they have beautiful iridescent blue legs oh beautiful they look like a kind of like a crane fly but they're but yeah, they're yeah. but they're a type of mosquito so i and i just read something like two weeks ago about oh, elephant ironic. Me, yeah elephant mosquitoes so then i looked it up and they don't bite humans the adults only drink nectar the adults and they eat the larvae of the ones that do drink the blood yes oh my god i want some <laughs> they're one of the largest mosquitoes in the world this is a genus and they're all over north america And people have used them in the past and released them to control dengue, fever, and other things that the bad mosquitoes. What do I do? Come over and net a few (laughs) and bring it home? That's Um, crazy. I wonder why they came to you from that frost plant, but why? Where did they come from? I mean, that just seems so unusual. I'm not too sure, but what made me even happier is that I have this little throwaway camera. Uh huh. And I was able to get high-resolution video. And if listeners go to the Sustainable Living WMNF Facebook page or my YouTube channel, you can see a 30-second video of these little uh, mosquitoes. And what's funny is when they drink, their back right leg always goes up <laughs> le- like an English person drinking <laughs> with tea their with their pinky out. And I That's thought it was, you hilarious. know, just one. But then I noticed everyone, they were kind of like, Leg up. Yeah, they you know, all. When people hug women, well, a lot of times, um, <laughs> yeah, a little hug foot people up. they put their foot up. That's <laughs> funny. That's hilarious. I definitely want some, though, but I'm very curious to why they just showed up at your house. That's It must have this perfect little environment that they love. That's wonderful. You know, they could have always been here, but now that I know. Right. What right, it is? Saw it. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. You had just investigated what the anim- the insect was, and so now your eyes were tuned to it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. All right. So these are fierce uh, predators. They eat the other mosquitoes. So remember, th- our slogan, our motto that is becoming of the show is: not all creepy and crawly and buzzy things are bad. Exactly. That's 
such a good thing. We should say it every time because a lot of people kill things because they're uh, fearful. It's just like they do snakes. You know, they kill things before they investigate, so they don't know. They're just yep. uh, uninformed. So those are good mosquitoes. Yay. And speaking of fierce predators, today <laughs> we are talking with Barb Walker, the Bird of Prey <laughs> Director for the Moccasin Lake Raptor Sanctuary. We will be discussing Central Florida's birds of prey and dangers they and our environment face due to rodentsides. So stay tuned as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. Yeah, I don't know if you were talking about Barb being <laughs> <laughs> well, a fierce predator. A fierce predator, but I think she could in a pinch. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just a Zanny, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Barb because she's so fabulous. Uh, she spent the last 20 years studying birds of prey, which includes uh, mapping bald eagle nests in Pinellas, Pasco, Hillsborough, and Manatee counties. She spent 20 years as an Audubon volunteer, and during that time was awarded a Volunteer of the Year Award. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, the National uh, Dutcher Award for Service and a Board Service Award for being a board member for Audubon, Florida for a period of these years. Uh, that's great, Barb. I mean, you just impress me all the time anyway. Um, I welcome you to this program today. We're happy to, to have you. She's actually in the studio with her daughter. And uh, we are just thrilled that she's in person. We don't get that very often. Um, we have questions that we had talked about, uh, you know, that we write down and think about before. And But I want to lead uh, with why we initially contacted you. So we initially contacted you because we heard about the tragedy of the road inside with the Owl family in Safety Harbor. Can you start with that and elaborate about what all that is, please? Oh, sure. Uh, um, in, in Safety Harbor at Phillippe Park, County Park, there was a lovely family of great horned owls that was being observed easily by the public because they are really just nesting and utilizing the habitat that just right in front of us. Um, owls are typically underobserved, obviously, because their activity is at night. Uh, this pair, that would be to the contrary. And sort of one by one, they started to die. And uh, the mother uh, had passed away in my hands. I was leaving Moccasin Lake and passing the park, and one of the rescue dispatchers contacted me because she knew where I was. I was right, right by the park. Yeah, convenient. so we we did pick up the mother, and then we gave fluids. But she was so weak. She was so weak. I I knew when I picked her up. That's what I was going to ask you. At that time, did you realize what was yes. going on? So there was no injury to her outside, so you know there was something internal? Well, right, and there was the condition of which she was found in, which was in the water. And that wouldn't really be your more normal behavior for a raptor, um, but it does cause, the rodenticide does cause extreme um, thirst and dehydration. Okay. So you often, and she was in the water. Oh, that's just so sad. I, I understood that they had, everybody was so excited about them. For They were there for about eight years, and there was, I think, a, a cam on, a live cam on them uh, that people were watching, and so they were very excited about it. And so then when this happened, everybody got real fired up about it. But, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what's going to happen uh, after that. I mean, that just seems like... We're talking about roadside now, 
So what's, what can we do, and how is that happening? Why did that happen there? Well, rodenticide is a widespread problem. So if you went onto Google and you type in rodenticide and hit the news tab, you're going to see so many stories and how many different animals this affects all over the place. It's very, very widespread. But in Safety Harbor, where the birds are nesting in Philippi Park, we think, well, they should be safe. They're in a park. But these are large birds. They are going much further. They need much further resources than just a county park to mm -hmm. survive. They're going way out of that. So they could be going around restaurants, big box stores, assisted living facilities, schools, homes. What is their mileage that they would travel? Do you have an idea of that? Or um, I think you're going to get a good, a good mile mm -hmm. just for natal territory. And that's all in the city, so there is a ton. There are a ton of restaurants there, so I do know that. Yeah, there are. And um, I know that businesses are trying to comply and make sure they're not getting hit up for having a rodent problem in their restaurant. So there are other ways to work around this problem, um, making sure that the building is completely excluded and they cannot get in would be one really good solution. Um, another one, and, and I guess this is where my point of really contention is that we're looking at Pinellas County when we're talking about Philippi Park and Safety Harbor. That's the dense, most densely populated um, county in Florida. And we are in front of our eyes seeing these animals die. And they were the main, um, basically the main front that we had against the rodents in the first place. Right. So they're killing, uh, they're, they're trying, they're killing the rats, mm -hmm. and which then kills the, uh, the raptor. Right. But, the, but if, the, if the rats were okay, the raptors would kill them and eat them, so then they would control the population. So that's what you're saying. That right? is what I'm saying. And it means it's also getting way up the food chain. Mm. All the way to, in this case, it was in Philippi Park, Great Horned Owls, and they're the avian apex predator in Florida. Mm. Can you tell us how many mice a great horned, a single great horned owl would eat in a week or a year? A great horned owl eats between 80 and 100 gram mouse a day or rat, most likely the rats, but they can pick up much larger prey. Great horned owls are very strong, so they can pick up skunks, cats, small cats, dogs. They are the, the they will take a bald eagle nest if they want a bald eagle nest. And wow. so they do not build their own nest. So they were probably at Safety Harbor in um, an old osprey nest and or they took a nest that a bald eagle built and we're picking up probably, they had three children. There was a mother, there was a father. We're talking about 10 rats, probably a couple rats a night for each. So that's, I mean, that's in five 20. days, it's 50 rats. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
So um, I know I'm supposed to be reading this. And I'm so guilty about not doing it. So I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way. Because we want people to be involved in the show. That's right. We do. And, you, we, you know, we need to identify ourselves and let everybody know who we're talking to and such. So my name's Annie Ellis, and you are listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Barb Walker, the Bird of Prey Director for Moccasin Lake Raptor Sanctuary. If you want to be part of this conversation, please give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on the air. All right. So earlier, Barb, you were talking about how great horned owls can eat really large things and we need to balance people profit and the planet. So why would people want these large owls that are capable of eating a small cat or, (laughs) you know, we don't want to, yeah. So Barb, do you want to like further explain how important they are? And if people have like pet chickens or small cats, like should they be scared? Is this a thing that they're eating often? No, it's not something that they eat often because it's not on their regular diet. Um, As long as they have rats, then they will eat the rats. Um, A great horned owl will take, young osprey chicks it'll pick up young eaglets it, it they can take anything that they want to so for people that have pets then you just really want to keep your cat indoors and as you should anyway yes yes exactly <laughs> and then small dogs or dogs should always be leashed mm-hmm. um, but you want these animals there because they are repro- they're reproducing once a once a year and their kids have to have room to grow too. They need to be able to find a, a nest to steal in the case of a great horned owl and be able to produce more young. So that's important for the health of us as people. Um, we don't want to end up with people getting things like hantavirus and other really not so nice things get, that get passed to us through rats. Oh. And great horned owls are nicknamed the tigers of the sky. Okay. So they're mostly active during the night. Mostly. Mostly. So that's not a really a problem if you have pet chickens. You can, no. well, yeah, you're not going to put go them with, away. Exactly. Yeah. And, yes. and cats wouldn't, I mean, you shouldn't have them outside anyway. Yeah. The, so the red that. tails and the Cooper's hawks sometimes take chickens. Eagles can take chickens. Yeah. So it's nice to have something over your chickens to prevent that from happening because we do have raptors in highly urban environments as well as rural environments. Mm-hmm. So, the re- like, I want to say the real reason you're here is because we're talking about these poor uh, great horned owl family in Safety mm-hmm. Harbor. So can the use of rodent-side poisons, can cats and dogs that eat the poison rats or can children who are poking at the dead rat that was killed by the rodent-side, can they pose a threat to people and pets? Yes, it does um, pose a threat to people and to pets. It was... Just a week ago that a, my, one of my daughter's friends, a different daughter than's here in the studio today, but mm-hmm. a different daughter um, had said her, she has a friend that just lost two pets to rodenticide poisoning. Mm-hmm. My next door neighbor did. Uh, their cat, uh, they let their cat outside all the time. And I found the cat at my house and it had, uh, there was a person that had been poisoning the rats behind us and that's exactly what happened it was so sad where can you buy rodenticide anywhere well yes. you know you can, you can get it at hardware stores 
Um, the ones that you have to be careful about are the second generation anticoagulant rodenticides because those are the ones that really, really kill. And some of those are also used by pest companies and they will come out to do an integrated pest management system. And then people might unknowingly actually have the dangerous poison in their yard. Are there laws that prevent people from, are there any Florida laws that prevent people from using or applying these uh, rodenticides? Not at this time. You know, I wanted to say that my uh, neighbor, another neighbor, uh, she was, uh, they had, uh, they have pest control. Well, that's a lot of my neighbors do. I live in fancy town. And so um, the, I asked the man and he said that uh, the public wants them to use a poison because they feel it's less um, ugly to the, uh, it's more humane for the rats. Because uh, I said, why don't you use snap traps? And, and he said, because that's, you know, safe for the an other animals. And he said um, that the public doesn't like that idea, which really surprised me a lot. And uh, he said, he also said that they do use um, the not the good kind, and uh, they are told by their bosses that it's safe. So I was very shocked at that information. Barb, can you tell us how rodenticides work and how yeah. it kills the birds of prey? Yes. What happens is once a rodent enters a bait box station, it picks up the poison. There's a hole. It's like a little black box, and it's got a hole on one side and a hole on the other side. And the rodent walks through, picks up the bait, eats it, comes out the other side. And at that point, if a raptor picks up that animal, it too ingests the poison. If it feeds it to its children, which is what happened in Safety Harbor, then it, it's also um, poisoning those young in the nests at the same time. That's one of the things that made it so heartbreaking. What happens to the animal when they take the rodenticide? So in? once they eat the rodenticide, it attaches to um, uh, vitamin K and it prohibits the coagulation of blood. So the bird is literally bleeding to death internally. And it really, it, that goes for the rat too. It, it Poisoning is, is definitely... That's a loose word thrown around, isn't su it? Suffering, too, I would say. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, it's really not a good um, death. There's fast-acting poisons and slow-acting poisons. So um, it depends on what they've picked up, and then it bioaccumulates in their system. If they eat one rat or mouse, do, does that guarantee the birds are going to die, or...? They not, need to accumulate not a bunch. always, and um, sometimes they you can flush a bird system out or use toxiban or activated charcoal and and help save an animal that's been poisoned. But it's really hard. Most of the time, that doesn't work because it's too late. It's usually too late because the bird is found and its head is already can't even lift its head anymore. Uh, how would you know if it was just slightly poisoned? Is there a way of perception? No. Okay. All right. We want to take a quick break because Bill has an important announcement.
Oh, you can show you. We can tell by the smile on your face that you're enjoying this show and that you're wondering how you can show your support. Go to our website, WMNF.org, and click on the tip jar at the top of the screen. Be sure to direct your donation to SUL for Sustainable Living. Let me tell you, it'll be borderline narcissism how much you'll love yourself for supporting Sustainable Living and WMNF Tampa. Thanks, Bill. So we want to remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Barb Walker, the Bird of Prey Director for the Moccasin Lake Raptor Sanctuary. If you want to be part of the conversation, if you knew these owls and you'd like to visit them, if you're upset that we are allowed to sell road inside, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on air. And we do have one message. It's from Doug in Clearwater. He says that he loves owls. They're his spirit animal. And he came home one day and saw a hawk on his in his yard, and he was excited until he saw the hawk flying away with a baby bird. Aww. So, Barb, should we be sad for the bird, or should we be happy that the hawk has a meal? Everybody has to eat. And it is sad when we lose a baby bird because if we look overall at birds, um, they are all they are in decline. Yeah. So it doesn't. It, at least it's a natural part of those birds' life cycles and diets. So maybe a, a lot less sad than if it's rodenticide. Yeah. Another reason to keep your cats inside. Yeah, and we actually have a <laughs> caller. We have Rob on the line, and he wants to talk about. Uh, bait boxes. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the show. Rob? Hello? Rob, are you there? Yes. Perfect. Okay. All right, Rob. What, do you have a question or a comment? Yeah, um, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm out in the country and, uh, you know, I used bait boxes <clears throat> when I first moved in because the people that owned the property, they had a rodent problem. And, uh, and I stopped because I was really kind of heartbroken that I saw, I was walking in my back, my backyard area and I found two squirrels just laying there wide eyed. You know, they were like maybe 50 feet apart and I knew what had happened. They, they had gotten into, there was no violence, you know, I mean, they weren't attacked by an animal. So they were, you know, they, they ate that. And uh, I'm sure I stopped using it immediately. Good. And also it's not just raptors because, um, I mean, I have uh, foxes out here. They're beautiful. And I've seen them, you know, chewing on a on a squirrel. So I'm sure that that uh, that poison would also affect them as well as raptors. And I ha- I do have owls. I have a, a barred owl that's uh, that's always up out here. Wow, I'm so glad you stopped doing that. That's great. Yeah, because I mean, there are other ways to stop them. I kind of snap yeah, traps, up, um, snap traps, access areas, and you know, you just deal with it. Uh, it. It happens maybe once every two years. I'll see one in the house somewhere, but. It's not worth it to me to uh, to have you know animals dying, especially you know beautiful animals like foxes and raptors, who really they control. I haven't had the problem in over two years because I mean I've got so many predators out there; they probably snarf up a lot of the of the, of the rodents. That's exactly what they're doing. That is so great. You've you've uh, taken that little snag out of that circle. That's great, Barb. What are some? Thanks, Rob. That was a great. Yeah, appreciate sure. it. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. So, Barbara, I was going to ask you, what are some alternatives other than the snap trap and the rodent side? <laughs> well, 
I like to think of the uh, program that they have out in California called Raptors Are the Solution. And it truly, by planting in a, a native garden, you're supporting the whole thing from the bottom up. And then those that have enough land can actually put up owl boxes. Um, if you have cavities, dead trees with cavities, you might want to be protective of those at trimming time, making sure that there aren't owls in those cavities. For example, eastern screech owls, which they one of the necropsies that we sent in was an eastern screech owl, and it came back poisoned too. So uh, the, the rats are already there. <laughs> They're yeah. already there, and we need to let the raptors do their job. Mm-hmm. Stop that that snag in the circle. Yeah, and that means building native plant communities into all of our communities everywhere. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. When I first introduced the show, I, I forgot to mention that we have Kira in the phone booth. Oh, thank and, you. And we're making her work because we have lots of phones uh, good job, calls right now. Kira. Thank so you. The first person we'll take is a traveling nurse. I don't know if that's their name, but we're going to say traveling nurse, and they have a question. <laughs> Hello. Alias, Welcome to the show. <laughs> traveling nurse, are you there? Hello. Bill, it's, it's blinking. Does that mean they're on? Should be on. Hello. Traveling nurse, are you there? All right. We're going to go to Jerry then, and he has a comment. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. I'm a landscape architect, and I've been farming the last ten or fifteen years or so. And um, I'm doing a I'm doing a, a bird bathing for my sister, and I was specifically interested in attracting owls. And I was wondering if I have the design for the bird bath and what I'm going to use and everything. I'm just wondering, do owls come to those kinds of things? And I was specifically thinking about black light. At night, do they respond to black lights? Or so, in other words, if I use the black light and it's in this tree, would would it would it deter the the animal or the bird? I would I would say to just leave the the light out. They'll find the bird bath. If it's okay. barred owls, they have a dark eye and they're a nocturnal owl, and then the little eastern screech owls. Well, they love those baths. They're crepuscular, and you can see them in the baths in the morning or in the evening time. Oh, no. um, but okay. uh, providing baths and water is actually an excellent way to attract owls to your yard because they like to take baths. Yeah. Great. So avoid avoid the light. So yeah. Avoid trying to they can see at night. Yeah, they oh, can I believe, see. No, I believe you. I was more interested in seeing them, but it's, oh, right. I just didn't want to. I don't want to deter them if they're not going to be into it, you know? Well, you know, if there's, a, if there's a nice place nearby to put um, maybe those little solar lights. Like a low-voltage yeah. lighting. Yeah. A low-voltage lighting uh, shooting up on along the perimeter would probably help uh, you oh, okay. be able to see. I'm a landscape architect, too. And so... so what- Oh, neat. So it won't deter, it won't deter. If it's mild, you don't want to overlight. Light pollution is a thing. Okay, great. And then are there any other, any other specific things in general that would be planted or anything like that that would uh, encourage them to come? 
for owls, um, mm-hmm. well, owls do eat other birds sometimes. And what you really are thinking about in landscaping would be shelter for the other animals that would reside within an owl's territory. So that answer could vary based on where you're at and um, what's already there. Okay. I would this- it's gonna, well, it's going to triad palm is, is where I was planning on mounting it, in, in the tree, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's in St. Petersburg. Okay, great. Yeah, okay. so, and, and have you seen owls already on your property? No, I, I've just recently returned here. I grew okay. up here as a youth. <laughs> Thank you, I and uh, and I've uh, just recently returned here, and um, I, 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 I was in previously in Hawaii, and I, and I saw owls, owls on a regular basis there, but I'm just, I haven't, I don't have much experience. Well, uh, Pinellas County in particular, the southern half has more eastern screech owls than anywhere else in the country, and that oh, came about because of an Audubon Christmas bird count. They're on a mm-hmm. peninsula, and um, they really need um boxes in St. Pete and and baths. How tall okay. do the boxes go, Barb? It depends uh, on what type of an owl you're building the box for. So an eastern screech owl box is going to be much smaller than if you're trying to do a, a, a box for a large owl. Okay. And, you know, okay. oh, I'd say about 18 inches. And how 24. tall would you hang it? Higher than five feet, more around 10, 15 feet. Okay. Yeah. I think so you can get it with a ladder in case there's a problem and make sure you can clean it out annually and make sure there's no mold and bugs and such. And then you loop a little pine straw in the hole of the, of the box. And if that's moved in the morning, you might not have seen the bird, but you might know that something went in and oh, out. Oh, that's cool. So that'll just be your cue. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know Thank what? you, Jerry. That was a Are you, great comment. Yeah, so so the dimension on the box was 18 by 18, like a square box? I would just uh, look it up on the internet. Yeah, lots of designs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there's a ton okay. of designs. Yeah, there's a ton. Okay, well, there. We okay, have so you. many calls. I can't believe it. It's fantastic. Pe- people so love pop- owls. We're so popular. I will say quickly that I have an ephemeral pond. So like now through October, and I have large pecan ducks, like 12-pound ducks, and multiple times every year, there's a barred owl swimming with the ducks, oh, and the ducks are like, well, not really, but they're like a foot away, and they're so domesticated, they're so dumb. Like, <laughs> the, you know, the chickens are on the opposite side of an acre, and the ducks are just swimming with this owl. Wow, that's kind of great. Yeah. So, water features, that's what... That's, yeah, water features are yeah. important. But I think I've also seen my little screech owls in... Uh, the normal bird baths too. All right, so on the line we have Caroline, and they would like to discuss about rat poison and owls. Hi, Caroline. Welcome to the show. Hi, Caroline. Hi. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I uh, coming home from work, and this is all very apropos. Um, I live in Plant City, and have for about 17 years built a home there here, and um, I had a problem with a, a rat in the attic and I, I assumed it was so I called the company and they used one of those traps and they actually trapped a female rat 
and it wasn't killed. It was injured by the trap. And I said, oh, no. A snap no. trap? Or a... Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what kind of trap it was, but it snapped. But it, it didn't kill this rat. As a matter of fact, it just injured the rat. And they actually have a, um, a, a resource of a um, woman who rehabilitates rats. Oh, that's nice. And so they took the rat, put it on a blanket. They assured me that's what they were going to do because I had my doubts, that the, you know, but I thought, okay, that uh, sounds wonderful. And it really prefer if the rat didn't die. I just don't want him in my attic. Exactly. But, um, so that happened. And then about uh, three or four years ago, a rat got into my truck and did about 500 dollars worth of damage to the wiring assembly yeah i've heard about that and th and then about two weeks ago I, you know i drove into uh town and turned on my air conditioner everything was fine but when i got back in the car and turned on the air conditioner it didn't work and i heard this sound so i went straight to the dealership and lo and behold they went into my cabin filter and i had apparently killed the rat when i turned on the air conditioner oh. They pulled a big rat out of my truck again. Wow. Do you have a question uh, I, for Barb? Well, actually, I was wondering about something. Um, about uh, two weeks ago as well, uh, I hear owls at night because I sit outside nice. on the night. But in, during the day, two owls, and I don't know what kind they were. I, I did take pictures. Um, they came, and one got on the corner of my lanai screen enclosure, and the other got into one of my plumeria plants and they just sat there for about five minutes <laughs> and looked at me. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like they were looking at me and I was amazed <laughs> by it because they were owls and they, it was daytime. Yeah. And then, you know, they just sat there and yeah. it was just the most beautiful thing. It really um, is, isn't it? I had one at my kitchen window that goes up up there all the time and looks straight in when I'm doing the dishes. It's the funniest thing. Thanks. Anyway, I just thought it's uh, kind of owls. I mean, they were pretty big. And oh, you mean ones that would be during the day? Is that what you're well, asking? Yeah, it was. They were pretty big, and they had. You know, I don't know if all owls. I need to look this up. Have twenty years. But they they do not. You know, <laughs> one of the things I'm just thinking of is that you could post that uh, on our uh, Facebook page uh, with that picture, and uh, then maybe Barb can identify it for you. Yeah. I think that would work out real well. Yeah, so I we have to enlarge it because I didn't want to get too close. Okay. On my phone i enlarged it okay and i could actually see a little bit better super you know, very good thank you for calling in we yeah, appreciate you share that i'm um thank you very much thank so you. appreciate you calling thank you so uh barb we have five species of owls in florida yes and yeah so we have two that are horned and then the others are not so only a little one and a big one have the horn so that's kind of an easy way to get rid of half of the Populate, you know, the guesses. The identification. Exactly. And then the barn owl is mostly white. We got the little burring owl. Right. Those are cute. The barred owl has bars on its chest. Uh -huh. And then the great horned owl has the horns. He's so good too. <laughs> Which are plumicorns. Ooh. The what? They're called plumicorns. <laughs> because they're not actual horns. They're, they're, horns. Not they're also not ears. They're not, not, not actual <laughs> yeah. ears. Yeah, their ears are holes in the side of their head and they're asymmetrical so they can locate prey. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Do uh, we have another We call? do have another My call. Goodness. And we have Fez on the line and uh, we appreciate you holding Fez. Yes. Hi. Hi. What do you have for Hi. us today? We love that you called. 
I was calling in because um, I think the question of um, poison and pest control or rat control or whatever in rodents inside any wild animals and predators is a good question. And um, I see an owl and I hear an owl in my area here in a very suburban, you know, area middle of West Bradington by the river, but I think being very near the you know river matters. Lots of rats to eat. <laughs> but um, the uh, what I um, what I believe or I have um, tried and heard that I don't think most people have ever heard is that you um, take let's say a brownie box mix from the store or just say flour, sugar, and baking soda and um, mix them up and um, bake it and, um, and then keep it, put it out in little portions wherever you think the rat trail is and the mouse trail, whatever you want to poison there. And, um, you know, you... Um, so is that something you've actually used or is that something you just, you've heard of? No, this is something I've tried. Uh, oh, okay, and you had success with that? Yeah, what um, what happens is that when rats or mice, this variety of animal, eats um, the baking soda, they start to burp, and well, they they the baking soda starts working, starts reacting in their gut, and they need to burp, but they can't. Ah, oh. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we're going to have to research that a little bit uh, yeah, to make sure. Yeah, that's a great uh, idea. Let's just uh, we'll tr- we'll try to any other other species afterwards. You know, once any other animal that can burp has yeah, that is not affected. Okay. Right, exactly. All right. And thanks. I think one, you know, proposal or way, you know, mm-hmm. and when you see these rats that have eaten this, it's not like an instant death. Right. Sorry, but these animals become delirious because they start wandering around oh, in, the middle, sad. in the middle of the sun and, you know, not acting normally. And then they can just get, bam, picked off by your cat or your owl or, yeah. or whatever. Okay. Really, really easily. They don't, you know, they don't sneak around. Anymore. Okay. So then it doesn't poison the animal that's picking them off is your point. Yeah. 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 And it's, okay. It's not, this is not an expensive ingredient. Right. The trick is getting the rat to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Fez, thanks, for Thanks that. for calling in. We really appreciate you. We have some other uh, things we need to announce now. Yeah. So, so appreciate you calling. So, Barb, in addition to the five species of owls that we have in central Florida, what are some other birds of prey that we have here? Oh, Bald eagles, uh, red-tailed hawks, red-shouldered hawks, um, ospreys, but they're fish eaters, so they don't really get rodenticide poisoning. Um, and we have kites as well. Oh, yeah. So they have a different diet, not that they couldn't be affected, but probably are more pesticides affected. Mm-hmm. So They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. They are. What about... 
um, crested caracaris. Where can I see those? Uh, Central Florida or no? South? Yeah, Central Florida and Central South Florida uh, would be ideal crossing State Road 60 or, or 70 are great routes to be able to spot crested caracaris, which are actually falcons. They're in the yeah, falcon they're family. Beautiful birds mm-hmm. that can be like seen walking on the road a lot. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So we do have a couple of other comments and questions. So we have Tom in St. Pete. He wants to know if he has a bat box and a Eastern Screech Owl box, will there be any problems? Can they live peacefully? Um, he doesn't have either right now, but he's interested in adding all these habitats for these wild animals. Um, they should be fine together. Uh I've put up a lot of osprey platforms over the last 20 years, and I'd like to start co-locating bat boxes on those. Uh, anytime we're, you know, deploying the bat forces, they are uh, working on those bad mosquitoes that yeah. we don't want to get bit by, which also reduces disease in the avian population. So great. So um, earlier we were talking about the birds of prey that we have in central Florida and the bald eagle was added, has been the national bird of the U.S. since 1782. And does Florida have a lot of bald eagles? We do. Um, the number one state with bald eagles is Alaska. And then it kind of tips back and forth between Minnesota and Florida. So um, Minnesota actually has more coastline than Florida when you count all that the lakes. Interesting, but yeah. um, Florida obviously incredibly popular for bald eagles and a very large. It carries the population for bald eagles in the southeast. So, Barb, you're the bird of prey director for the Moccasin Lake Raptor Sanctuary, mm-hmm. and if somebody sees a injured bird of prey, they might feel inclined to hug it and. <laughs> Rehab it. So first, I guess, what happens if you see a poisoned raptor, but also what happens if you see a bird of prey like on the road that's been hit by a car? Can you, what, what should, what should uh, the denizens of Central Florida do? Well, there are a lot of resources in the Tampa Bay area. There's my friend Nancy Murrah at the Raptor Center of Tampa Bay, my friend Chris Porter at Alzna Sanctuary. We have Save Our Seabirds in Sarasota. We have the Seaside Seabird Sanctuary. Um, I can be called as well. I'm on a federal permit. Um, but don't let the birds sit there for three days before you call. Call right away. That would be one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give, especially if it's poisoning. We have a lot better chance of saving the animal the faster we get it. If, so they don't get, to, they don't touch the animal. This is the point, right? You don't go and hug the animal. So you if you call see, somebody, yeah. But let's say you're like on a abandoned road and you see a bird of prey on the ground. It's like flopping around. Can the talons hurt a person if they just grab it? Yes, uh, they can if you if you grab it improperly, um, using a towel, a jacket, or something, and throwing it over the bird. You really have to. Find ways to disable the bird. That's by blocking its vision, typically. Um, so it can't see where to grab or bite you. And then by controlling the legs and the head of the bird. So that would be the way, to, if, you're, if you're out there, it is legal for a person to rescue a bird a lot. I get that question sometimes, too. There's a good Samaritan law 
federally, um, but then get it right away to a veterinarian or a permitted wildlife rehabilitator. You know, right. one thing I was just thinking, you know how we always uh, get, we go take CPER uh, lessons and stuff. It would be great to have a lesson on how to save uh, injured animals. That mm-hmm. would really be a wonderful thing. Yeah. So in a minute or in about a minute, uh, Annie's going to be listing a bunch of events that are happening in Central Florida. But first, I wanted to ask Barb about her training because one of her training sessions, courses, was at the University of Minnesota's Veterinarian College. And I just want to ask you, like, what did that training entail? I guess it also goes to Annie's point, like, can we learn how to safely uh, Do the work. pick yeah. up a raptor or a a rabbit animal or an animal that's a rabies vector in an afternoon or a Saturday morning. So I, I want to learn what your training was like because I just met Barb an hour ago, but we are we have so many people in common because I know lots of people from the University of Minnesota's Veteran College. Yeah, that's totally Because that's a great resource. Oh, it sure is. And uh, I went there for a week. And I took their, the first course I took was Raptors in Captivity. And so, which, you, which was one week? Which was one okay. week. And then I took another course on Raptor Rehabilitation. And it doesn't talk, it didn't do as much about the rescue as it did about fluid therapy and the types of therapies that you would deploy to save a bird. So, other than being trained, what are, well, how can listeners be part of the solution? Well, everybody can be a part of the solution by being a good steward of whatever property they're in charge of and not using rodenticide, first of all. That would be the main thing. But also finding ways to be avian-friendly to support what we see as a declining population overall. And every time I examine that topic, I always come back to native plants. Mm. It, it is interesting how it all just starts from the beginning. <laughs> like keeping the that bottom perfect, of the food chain. Yes, keeping that perfect circle uh, in check. Right. Uh, and so, also, I was thinking, t- and talk to your neighbors about it, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's, yeah. that's what we learned from the Eckerd College professors. Like, the best way to get rid of microplastics is tell other people about the problem, and then that's how you get a little momentum going. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I named um, several rescue organizations, and all of those organizations take volunteers. You know, if you tell the kids, uh, they'll tell their parents, and they'll make them Mm -hmm. uh, more aware. All right, so Annie, yep. you're going to give us some uh, yeah, I'm gonna sustainable give you few, events that few, are happening? A few events that are coming up. Um, there are, uh, let's see, there's a Living Soil Masterclass with the Queen of the Sun, and that is a GrowCast Grow class, and that is at Urban Roots Garden Supply, and that is Saturday, August the 13th. Um, we also have quite a few uh, events with, uh, there's a patio micro uh, irrigation workshop in person at the UFIFAS Hillsborough Extension, and that's this Saturday, July 23rd at 9 a.m. to 10. You can go onto the event um Event uh, app, uh, Eventbrite. Eventbrite. Thank you. And there are a lot of things, and you can you can actually 
register for those things. There's a, a rainwater harvesting workshop there in person, August the 6th. There's another one, a uh, composting workshop the same day uh, at the Hillsborough County Extension and another micro-irrigation workshop in person. Same thing, same place. Uh, so, And there's also a, a beekeeping basics workshop uh, with the uh, UF, IFAS, Hillsborough Extension. And that's coming up uh, towards the end of August, August the 23rd. So I would just suggest going to those sites and checking so, them out. And you go to Eventbrite and then you just type in your zip code or do you type in gardening? Or- you know, what I did is I uh, got the app because uh, it kept sending me things and it said it's best way to, you know, if you're going to have to pay $5 or whatever. Oh, excuse me, I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> a but small you, fee. A small fee if you have to pay anything. It is uh, easier to do it online like that. So I have the app. And so what it does for me is it actually reminds me of this stuff on my uh, emails. And so I automatically am knowledgeable about what's going to happen. I just read this because it told me to. Yeah. Okay, very so good. You guys can do that. It'd be great. So we have um, another email, and uh, it's from David Bryant. He, he's a very good listener. He, because he participates every week. And Does we, he? And we oh, like that. David Bryan, good job. So he uh, has a question for Barb. He wants to know if the mosquito spray trucks that he sees in his area around city of Tampa, does the insecticides also hurt birds, songbirds? Is there an accumulation <laughs> <can't> effect? help. <laughs> I think that when we are actually targeting mosquitoes, we are helping the avian population oh. because the mosquitoes will give the birds avian pox, West Nile virus, and we see that in everything from songbirds all the way up to bald eagles. So anything to help control mosquitoes, I would say, is better for the birds. But isn't the mosquito spray also killing the other insects? I mean, it's not just targeting a, a mosquito, right? So it's killing all the insects. I cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> <laughs> Nor can I, but it still goes back to your garden because a native insect is going to produce more. And, and for all of these, like, for example, little songbirds, they're going to produce so many more and be able to feed so many more birds mm-hmm. than some of these non-native species. So it's still the healthier thing is still the native and get rid of the mosquitoes. And usually when you have a native garden, you're more apt to be more of an organic gardener. Mm-hmm. So you don't use uh, pesticides or you know any right. chemical fertilizers and so on like that in general. So right. uh, you know that would probably nurture it. I have one thing I really, really, really want to talk about is the EPA review that comes up every 15 years and it's coming up for about the rodenticide, uh, rodenticide, I've been pronouncing it wrong. Um, and it's coming up in one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, I was talking with Barb about that. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we pay attention to that and we get on board uh, to uh, do something to let people know we're not happy about it. Right, because ultimately the use of the rodenticide is unsustainable. Yeah, it isn't. And so we're, we're harming uh, the environment by using that. All right, Barb, we got three minutes and I have some quick fire questions for you. Okay. <laughs> You are the Bird of Prey Director for the Moccasin Lake Raptor Sanctuary. Where is that located? It is located at 2750 Park Trail Lane in the city of Clearwater. 
And are you open to the public? We are open to the public at no charge from Tuesday through Sunday, 10 to 5. And do you have birds on exhibit or is it a solely rehab and release program? It is birds on exhibit. These are avian ambassadors that we use to go out and teach people how to become a bird-friendly community and to be bird-friendly. And we have a a terrific collection, including eagles, osprey, hawks, owls, peregrine falcons, swallowtail, kite, you name it. Now, the reason why she has them is because they can't go back in the wild. They can't be rehabbed. So they've taken care of them to just allow them to live and teach. Yeah. And then you have volunteers that you train? Is that yes. how the program works? Yes. And we, and we take rescue calls and we rescue a lot of ospreys at this time of year. Are there any, are there any paid people at this sanctuary? We are, I, I get nervous about like the seabirds, like all these organizations right. where... Where's the money go? Yeah. Well, we're yeah. strictly volunteer. <laughs> it all goes to like the Like us birds. here, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right, so Barb, we want to thank you. And Barb, is there a good contact information for you personally or the Moccasin Lake Raptor Sanctuary? Um, yes, uh, our website is uh, moccasinlakeraptorsanctuary.org and um, the phone number for um, Tampa Bay Raptor Rescue is 727-798-2385. All right, very good. And later today, we're going to have show notes posted yeah, on W. MNF.org? Yes, with the help of our wonderful intern. intern. She's been Colleen, yes. She's great. So we want to thank you, Barb. We appreciate you being in the studio and teaching the listeners about all of these birds of prey. I was wondering if she was going to bring a bird in. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I didn't know you'd want me to. (laughs) I know, I was kind of excited, wondering what was going to go, but it didn't happen today, just in our minds. So I guess we need to close out the show today. We're we're pretty close. Um, I just want uh, one thing. Just y'all pay attention to what we've just been talking about and make sure and not use rodenticide. And, and it's something you can ask about. So if you've enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to Sustainable Living Show. Your donation makes helps keep us on the air. Stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF's Tampa's Monday Music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, you can switch over to WMNF. WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source, to listen to today's Tom Hartman Show live. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show, where we will be talking about Tampa's tree canopy trends and with two USF professors and an excellent arborist, my friend. Follow our Facebook page, a Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. I'm Annie Ellis, and... I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Thank y'all for being here.